This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Tape problems, no Chris's either. They were on Greeny today. But you've got Courtney Cronin and Gabe Neitzel coming to you on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Phones are open. Join in the conversation on the CC call in line, 888 say ESPN. 888-729-3776. Game two, 76ers and the Celtics taking place in Boston tonight. Philly has a one-game lead. Our coverage beginning 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Radio. Mark Kestisher and P.J. Carlissimo on the call. And one day, Gabe, after Joel Embiid wins his first MVP, there is some optimism about his health going into game two. We have not seen him since he injured his knee in the Brooklyn series back on April 20th, but Joel Embiid apparently going to be back for game two tonight, barring a setback. That's huge. That's absolutely huge for the 76ers because I don't think they can really rely on James Harden continuously hit, jumping in the man in the, uh, in the DeLorean, going back in time and putting <laughs> up 45 points on a nightly basis in order to continue to steal games from the Celtics. So this is huge. They can get back to the roles that they're used to and accustomed to playing, starting to feed Embiid. I'm guessing because it's been a couple of weeks, he's not going to be ready to go full 40 minutes tonight with that knee injury. But whatever you can get out of the league MVP – if they can find a way with Embiid to win game two and really put the Celtics' backs against the walls and be up 2 nothing going to their place, I think that's huge. I think that's huge if Embiid can come back and give them 35 meaningful minutes tonight. This has not been confirmed yet by the team or officially announced, but it does come from ESPN's Tim Bontemps that Joel Embiid, barring any setback, will be playing tonight and available for Game 2. Yesterday, we saw Joel Embiid surrounded by his teammates in what appeared to be the team hotel conference room. A really cool moment with Joel and his slippers. I hope everybody caught that <laughs> when he won the MVP award. Hey, you got be a comfy. big old You're hug. In the hotel. You can be comfy, Courtney. I loved it. I thought it was such a cool moment. I love that Jay James Harden got up from where he was sitting, comes over, drapes himself around him in a hug. Embiid finally wins the MVP award, an award that he had been up for several times. He beats out Nikola Jokic. He beats out Giannis Antetokounmpo for this award. He has the highest points per game for an MVP at 31, 33.1 since Michael Jordan back in the late 80s. And he was asked, of course, about his knee with his sprained LCL. And here's what he had to say. This was yesterday about how he's feeling ahead of game two it's a possibility just like it was a possibility in the first game um but you know i'm gonna listen to those guys and you know see what they have to say the doctors and uh you know obviously i want to play uh you know everybody knows me i i just love being on the court and i love to play so there's a possibility and i got the green light and uh then I'm then we're gonna go ahead, but uh we like I said, we're just gonna talk about it. I don't know if that was a Freudian slip when he said I got the green light or if he was trying to say if I get the green light, but that to me sounded like somebody who didn't have much in doubt about where they were physically going into preparations for game two. And according to Tim Bontemps, if Embiid comes out of shoot around, which took place earlier today in Boston and does his standard pregame workout without incident, he is expected to be back in the starting lineup for Philadelphia trying to take a 2-0 lead against the Boston Celtics. Doc Rivers, the 76ers head coach, spoke with Mark Kestisher and P.J. Carlissimo ahead of tonight's game about how Embiid looked in shoot-around. 
Yeah, I mean, he looked great today in shooting around. You know, obviously, we still have to wait. Um, I'm just, you know, he handled it well, too. Like, he, you know, the shoot around before game one, if you had a song sitting there, I walk over, you know, you could see the weight. Like, man, I'm here and I can't play again. And I told him, if this is the worst thing that happens on the way to winning the title, this is not all bad. You know, I said, just look at the big picture. And I, I think he's done that. He felt great. We worked out yesterday. So I'm hoping he plays. You know, I, I, I think we're leaning that way for sure. That was the official word from Doc Rivers earlier this afternoon, talking with Mark Kestisher and PJ Carlissimo. You can hear them on the call of 76ers Celtics game two tonight, ESPN Radio. And he had a lot of optimism that that's, they're leaning that way and that Joel doesn't want to sit out. I don't want to see him in a torn-up Balenciaga sweatshirt again trying to go Met Gala on the sidelines of this game. I want to see him play. But, Gabe, is this the right call? Because I, I'm with you. I don't think we're going to see another vintage 40-plus point performance from James Harden. And if they don't get that and Embiid's not playing, I don't think that they're able to win against Boston in Game 2 because those turnover issues that we saw plague the Celtics probably are not going to be of the same magnitude tonight. I I understand why he wants to play. I understand why the 76ers need him. I'm just wondering long-term through this series and even into the Eastern Conference Finals if that's the right call for someone who has dealt with injuries at this stage of the play- playoffs before and it has not it has precluded him from getting out of this round. I understand the argument of hey, you already stole one. Now you have home court advantage. You can punt on this game if you'd like. But the I guess the way I think about it, these guys have rested so much during the regular season. It becomes the the rest talk and and we do that throughout the course of the NBA regular season. And I understand we're dealing with a knee injury, but as long as the doctors clear him, to me, if you go out there with Embiid, don't punt on the game, you play and you win, now you're setting yourself up to potentially have the rest on the back end before you would have to go in and play an Eastern Conference Finals. If, if he is ready to go, to me, I, I don't think it's a risk. If the doctors are going, yep, he's good to go, no more risk in terms of his knee, he can go out there and be on the floor, I put him out there because I want to put as much pressure on the Celtics. I want them, because now they're going to have to play differently, because we didn't have Embiid in Game 1. Now they're going to have to play differently. Okay, how do we guard Embiid? How do we guard Harden at the same time? Maxi had a good game. How do we figure out all three of these guys, and what are we going to do? So I, I put Embiid out there to try to put as much pressure as possible on the Celtics and see if I can get them to combust once again and take a 2-0 series back to Philadelphia and really put that pressure on Boston. You're right. Boston's not going to be able to play the same way they did in Game 1. They destroyed the 76ers in the paint. A lot of easy buckets came inside that territory, so I think you can expect the the pressure to get umped up defensively on the 76ers to create more turnovers from the Celtics, but it's a completely different ball game if Joel Embiid, the 2022-23 MVP, is playing here. One more note on this. I just wonder if Joel's looking at the playoffs of the past from 2018 when he missed a couple games 2019 he was also having knee tendonitis issues he dealt with issues in the bubble in 2020 every single year it's been something for him where he hasn't been able to play and you know the lateral meniscus tear last year in his right knee this is also an LCL injury for Joel Embiid he has not been on the floor since April 20th he's had time I don't believe that they would put him out there and risk this getting even worse. But then again, he is a big 
guy, Gabe, and when he falls, you can almost feel it when you're watching at home, and I hold my breath every time it happens. Hopefully there's no more setbacks for him. Hopefully he is able to play tonight. I want to see both teams at its fullest of strength as possible. Reminder, that game coming your way tonight, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, the NBA playoffs on ESPN Radio. Celtics hosting the Lakers, presented by Indeed. Coverage beginning 7.30 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN Radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Two-pointer by LeBron. Good. Lakers with their biggest lead of the night. 14 points. 112 to 98. Here is D'Angelo Russell to the rim. Puts it up and in. Lakers by two. The Lakers get what they came for. Game one and sees home court against a Warriors team that has not been good on the road this year. We were able to get one in game one, but like I said, we haven't done anything. Highlights courtesy of 710 ESPN Los Angeles. Last night, the Los Angeles Lakers hang on to beat the Golden State Warriors to take game one of that Western Conference semifinal series, 117-112. Courtney Cronin, Gabe Neitzel sitting in for Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. And Eric Hanman in studio, I want you to pull up the play of the night from last night that Carlin and I did because it was centered around the Lakers-Warriors game and a couple props on Anthony Davis. I know I hit the over on rebounds. Can you remind me what that number was? That number was 13 and a half. 13 and a half. So, so he got 23. He crushed nice. that. Yeah, nice, nice, comfortable win for you. He, he crushed that. And, and good job, Courtney, for, for pointing that one out and getting that right. You want to go ahead and let everybody know how badly I botched the point total over yeah. under? Yeah, the number on that was 25 and a half. And you took the under. I took the under. He and scored it, 30. And he scored 30. A historic okay. night for Anthony Davis. 30, 23, 5 assists, and 4 blocks. That would power the Lakers into stealing home court advantage here against the Golden State Warriors. And I know this is the version of Anthony Davis that we have been dying to see, Gabe, throughout his time being linked up with LeBron James. This is the reason they paired these two together. I worry about the sustainability of this, the 44 minutes that he had to play, the 40 minutes that LeBron James had to play. It's game one of the series. I'm trying to look at this from a long-term perspective, and we'll talk about the Jordan Poole shot here on ESPN Radio and whether it was the right call, whether he should have done a couple other things differently and not <laughs> been the last one to uh, to touch the ball and, and shooting it from about 50 feet out, but... Do you? What were your takeaways when you look at Anthony Davis's stat line and how great he was, but also thinking this could be a seven-game series between these two very, very different styles of teams? This version of Anthony Davis is so fun to watch when he goes out there and absolutely dominates because that's what he did. I mean, thirty and twenty-three with the block shots, had assists. He was everything was running through him with the with the Los Angeles Lakers last night, able to, to defend the rim. He's he's doing everything. But now I feel really good about the Warriors winning game two. The problem with Anthony Davis all season long and this year is that he just disappears in stretches. In the postseason, his point totals have gone like this, Courtney. 22, 13, 31, 12, 31, 16, 30. 
So, I mean, you just got you you were on the wrong end of your bet last night because you 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 weren't following the every other game structure. Take that this next game is a 25 and a half. Take the under again because he has not shown that he can consistently go out there and perform on a nightly basis. And if this thing the longer this series goes, the more it, you know, to me just is going to play into the inconsistencies of him and it's going to lean in favor of the Warriors. I can't take away with what he did last night. It was spectacular. It's fun to watch when he's playing like that. But he hasn't shown that he can follow it up in any sort of meaningful way this postseason. The problem I have with Anthony Davis, and you're right, the roller coaster, I got on it at the right at the wrong time. I got it on mm-hmm. when they're when it's going up the track, and I probably should have waited for game two, or maybe we'll say it's all gonna be all the even games because he had his big performance in game one and propelled them to this win on a night where the offense for the Lakers looked really, really smooth. The defense for the most part was smothering. And I take a look at the length of this team and think, man, the Warriors really don't have a shot against that. You think about the run that they went on in the fourth quarter to tie this thing up, 112-112. It's because they went small and they needed points. Still, that was no match for the Los Angeles Lakers. And when you have that version of Anthony Davis, when you have that compliment to LeBron James, you're going to be fine. But I said this going into this series It stresses me out looking at LeBron James and how he appeared leaving Memphis in Game 5 to go home. That was somebody who looked his age for the first time, you know, maybe not the first time, but for the first time that series, we've Mm -hmm. seen it at other points this season. Certainly the load management comes into play too. But that was the first time I thought, man, he looks weathered. He looks really, really his age in these moments. And then he plays 40 minutes last night, and Darvin Ham playing Anthony Davis 44 minutes, I understand these are going to be tight battles between the Warriors and the Golden and the Los Angeles Lakers, the contrasting styles that the two teams played. But I don't think that this is, is, this is a sustainable way to play basketball in the postseason with the makeup of the roster the way it is because outside of AD and outside of LeBron James, you have a lot of one-dimensional players. You've got guys who are really good on defense, the Jared Vanderbilts of the world you, you, in, in the Hachimuras, and then you have the Austin Reeves and the D'Angelo Russells. They can get you a bucket. How do you complement and try to take some of that load off of AD and LeBron in order for them to be able to play at the pace that the Warriors force you to play every single game. Yeah, that's that's the problem, is the Warriors in the way that they like to push the pace. And think about how much just constant movement there is from the guys who have to constantly defend Clay and Steph. I mean, Steph is just, he's everywhere. Very rarely does he, every, every once in a while, he'll go and take an offensive possession off or he'll go stand in the corner. But then next thing you know, he makes one cut and he's behind you for a layup. Or he makes one cut and he's hitting an above the break three. It's the, the, the defensive effort that's needed over the course of a series. To me, the Lakers just need to be a little deeper than they actually are. You mentioned Achimura. He only played 11 minutes last night. Troy Brown played 12 Dennis Schroeder's the only one who played significant minutes off the bench last night, so asking Austin Reeves, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis to be playing 39-plus minutes each, that to me is just a huge ask, and especially with the way that the Warriors are just going to continuously push the pace with what they do offensively, defensively. They go a little bit deeper. They don't ask a ton of their guys. And I mean, what? So you had 44 minutes out of Anthony Davis last night. Steph played 38. And, and they still had a chance with under 10 seconds left to tie the ball game. Yes, you don't want to lose game one at home if you're, you're the Warriors. But I feel like, okay, 
what they did is not sustainable. What we did is we're going to continue to play our game, and that's just going to catch up with what is a much older and not as deep team. We've had this conversation before when it comes to Anthony Davis specifically. I remember there was a time when, you know, he was anchoring a top 10 defense. This is pre-trade deadline this year. That was a miracle that it even got to that point because of what he was surrounded by. And you have a player of his caliber who oscillates between so between being so great and then significantly less than great. And even his most incredible moments and his feats can become a source of frustration for you. So you got to ask yourself, is this recent success, how sustainable it might be and what that foreshadows for the Golden State Warriors and the Los Angeles Lakers in this series going into game two. Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA insider, was on Get Up this morning. He's with me. He doesn't believe that this Lakers play is sustainable. There is no way, as great as Anthony Davis played, one of the great games of his career, 30 and 23, there is no way he can play every other day and play 45 minutes like he did in that game. It is too much to ask. He did not come out in the second half. That was on three days rest. I don't think there's any way that they can keep doing it. It is insane to me to think that LeBron James can continue to play that many minutes, over 40 minutes at that pace. The Lakers played at a breakneck pace. They can't keep doing that every day. LeBron will not make it. The Lakers play at a breakneck pace. So did the Golden State Warriors. They're a fast team just as much as the Los Angeles Lakers are. I know the Lakers are excellent in transition. They create so many of their offensive possessions on the break. But if you think about it, they're kind of a runaway freight train at this point. And eventually that thing's going to crash. I hope that it's not in game two. I'm with you. I believe that the Warriors being on their home floor will end up splitting the series before this thing shifts back down to Los Angeles. It was an awesome night. I loved seeing what we saw from Anthony Davis. Again, we're going to get into whether we believe Jordan Poole should have taken that last shot or not, but it was an awesome night of basketball with the Knicks taking their series down to Miami, splitting it 1-1 apiece, and now the Golden State Warriors trying to even things out when they face off with the Los Angeles Lakers in Game 2 to do the same. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Gabe Neitzel with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Straight ahead. Have the Jets done enough for Aaron Rodgers? They did something today. We're going to let you know about that move and talk more about the offseason with an insider coming up next after Gabe has this word from Indeed. If you're gearing up for hot summer hires, then stop making Canada cold calls and hire with Indeed. Their powerful all-in-one hiring platform makes it easy to attract, interview, and hire candidates all in one place. With tools like Instant Match, the moment you sponsor a post, you'll instantly receive a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. You can then invite them to apply, schedule, and conduct interviews all from the Indeed website. To learn more, visit Indeed.com slash credit. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. It was week 18 of the 2022 season when we saw Aaron Rodgers walking off the field at Lambeau Field following a loss to the Detroit Lions for the last time. Randall Cobb with his arm draped around Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers embracing his longtime Packers teammate. And lo and behold, they reunite in New York with the New York Jets. According to ESPN's Adam Schefter, Randall Cobb, the longtime Packers receiver, is expected to sign with the New York Jets, another former teammate of Rodgers, making his way east to join him up and join forces in New York. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Gabe Neitzel sitting in for the guys. Pleased to welcome in ESPN NFL analyst Dan Orlovsky. And Dan, I think about all of the pieces that have come into the fold for Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. And of course, it was Nathaniel Hackett, the first domino to fall earlier this offseason. And then Alan Lazard before Rodgers gets signed. Billy Turner, the tackle is there. Tim Boyle, his backup quarterback from a couple of years ago in Green Bay. And I got to wonder, like, how much do you think Rodgers needs to be comfortable in a new setting, but in an offense he's already played in? Yeah, Courtney, we were drafted the same year together, Aaron and I, and played in the same division for seven years. So I'm seeing if I can get a job out of this as well. <laughs> um, just a shout-out to the Jets. I mean, comfort matters, you know, especially when change, and this is a very unique change that's going on for Aaron. He, he spent all of his career in Appleton, Wisconsin, right? Green Bay, Wisconsin, which is wildly different if you've ever been to either place than New York, and I would assume you have been, right? So, like, that is a completely different world for you know i mean most of his adult life has been in appleton so uh that and then also coupled with the the reality that he's at least 10 to 15 years older than most if not all of his teammates so that's just a really like odd setting to walk into when you know okay like they're bringing it's it's the same thing that tom brady went through and so i think the more people that you could have around that give him a little bit of sense of normalcy um, that can relate to him a little bit more that can kind of be in the locker room going, uh, you know, certain situations, guys, that's, that's just how Aaron does that. Or, or, you know, like you could have a Garrett Wilson be able to go up to a Randall Cobb or a Boyle or Nathaniel. I can be like, Hey, um, I want to talk to Aaron about this. Like what's the best way I approach him. So I, like having those people, around does matter. It doesn't mean you're going to win every game, but it does matter. 
So how important, Dan, is it for Rodgers to be around for the majority? Yesterday he said he's going to be around for about half of what's left on the calendar in terms of offseason workouts for the Jets. Do, do you think that's the right number? Should it be more than that for him to get even more comfortable with guys like Garrett Wilson? Uh, I think it's you want him there as much as possible. I, I would say this for – the reps matter. There's no question about that. And how many different experiences you get with that. But everything we're hearing out of New York right now, and I was texting with a friend of mine who's a coach on their staff, and he was using words like refreshed, rejuvenated, energetic, kicked off. I think that's what you want Aaron there more for, is just to bring that energy to your building. And Aaron even said it himself last week in the press conference when he said, you know, part of him being around in the offseason is to show that there is a raised standard of expectation on a daily basis. And so as much as we want them to get their throws in and their, their timing together, that, and that has value, it's more just the energy and the juice that he's bringing on a daily basis, a standard that you want him around as much as possible. So if he's there for a great deal of that, that is a huge starting point for the Jets. Dan Orlovsky, ESPN NFL analyst, joins us here on Canty and Carlin. There's been a lot made about this offensive line situation with the Jets, and for good reason, because the injuries took this unit from injury plague to downright awful last year. 11 different offensive linemen had to play. And when that comes to – when we put Aaron Rodgers in the center of that conversation – I don't feel like it's as dire as maybe we've made it out to be and them not drafting a lineman because one wasn't there for them at 15 in the first round last week. Do you think that just knowing who their quarterback is, knowing his ability to escape the pocket and work in and around pressure, that it won't be as big of a deal if they don't somehow shore this thing up with a couple more bodies in there in the offseason? Can he survive what the personnel is in front of him as it stands currently? No, I still think it's a really big deal. Um, Two reasons why, Courtney, because I do think it's a fair question. I think, number one, the Jets start with the theory Makai Becton's our starting left tackle. And then everyone, rightfully so, is going to say, Dan, you're an idiot. He hasn't stayed healthy. And then step number two is, well, we have this really young offensive lineman, Elijah Vera Tucker, who could basically play anywhere. And we took Joe Tipman in the second round of Wisconsin, who can eat, play either guard or center. Mel Kuyper thinks he's a better guard, which is what Vera Tucker plays. Well, we can move Elijah Vera Tucker to left tackle, and we can make Tipman one of our starting guards. Then we feel okay about our offensive line. But the Jets have to be willing to do that. So I feel better after I've thought about what the Jets can be offensive line-wise uh, than I did at the initial first-round selection. The reason why I sit here and say, like, you can't – like, living in the world where if they don't move Vera Tucker out there and Becton gets hurt, just within your division, let alone the conference, you got to deal with Vaughn Miller and Greg Rousseau you got to deal with Matthew Judon and Uche. you got to deal with Chubb and Jalen Phillips. So I think it's silly – or it's not silly. It's reckless to think that everything's just going to be okay because Aaron can move. He's not the same guy as he was. Um, but I do believe that the Jets have options to make sure all their bases are covered as long as they're willing to move AVT out to left tackle if needed seems like that will probably be the only way they're able to remedy this right. offensive line. The, the 
The market dried up quickly in free agency, as we know, the names that are available and out there aren't the sexiest of names, but there are some bodies that they could potentially bring in for training camp throughout, maybe even throughout the rest of the offseason to try to shore that thing up and protect Aaron Rodgers in year one with the Jets. He is Dan Orlovsky, ESPN NFL analyst, kind enough to join us here on Canty and Carlin. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Bye-bye, guys. Straight ahead with the series tied 1-1. Which team do you have more confidence in right now? Is it the Knicks or is it the Heat? We're going to get into that next here on Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. Candy and Carlin, the podcast. If you want to feel old, just go sit next to Jets cornerback Sauce Gardner at a Knicks game. According to Rich Samini, who covers the Jets for ESPN's NFL Nation, Sauce Gardner, who you saw several times on TV last night when the Knicks beat the Heat, he was sitting next to Aaron Rodgers on Celebrity Row at Madison Square Garden. And Rodgers apparently was poking at Sauce, who's in his early 20s. Rodgers is almost 40. There's a nice age gap between them. But he was the one poking fun at the young guy about his age. And Sauce apparently got roasted. Because he didn't know who Jessica Alba was. She was there. She was not too far away from where they were sitting. The quote was, they're about to sit by Jessica Alba. And he said, quote, oh, I don't know who that is. Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Courtney Cronin, Gabe Knight. So we know who Jessica Alba is. I... Even if you're not a fan of any of the multitude of shows that she has been in and movies she has been in from the late 1990s all the way till right now, when I saw her on TV last night looking the exact same as she did 20 (laughs) years ago, which is fantastic – I was like, wow, that's Jessica Alba looks awesome. Like, wonder what she's in. And I went to go look it up. She had a series called LA's Finest. It was, I don't know if it was canceled because of the pandemic, but she was in that 2019 and 2020. And she's in a movie coming up, or I believe it already came out. It was called Trigger Warning. I don't know what any of those things are. I know who Jessica Alba is, though, without having seen her most recent projects, Gabe. No, and she's been in enough stuff where, and I understand, like her her star probably shown the brightest for maybe five, six years, mid to late 2000s, probably from like 2003 through 2009, that was probably the most popular things that she was in, but you would think in 2008, 2009, like Sauce Gardner would still have recognized like her from something. She was everywhere, seemingly, in the late 2000s. She was in Spy Kids. Is that not a Disney movie? I remember it, and I was like, that was past my childhood, but that was the late 1990s, early 2000s. He would have been young enough, but old enough to consume that. So, I don't know. Sauce Gardner, learn your pop culture so Aaron Rodgers doesn't have an excuse to roast you for who you don't know is sitting a couple feet away from you on on a celebrity row at a Knicks game. I'm sure he'll be at another one. This series now tied 1-1 with it going down to Miami for game three. But let's just hear, I need to hear Sauce Gardner himself explain this to me. Here is the Jets cornerback who had media availability today. So he showed up on time to work Four OTAs there in the second phase after he was out late watching the Knicks win last night. Here's what he had to say about Aaron Rodgers and his venture watching the Knicks go up 1-1. I got to meet a, a few uh, movie stars. I got to meet Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, Tracy Morgan. But he was just picking on me a little bit for being young. 
we was getting seated and he was like, we're about to sit by Jessica Alba. And I'm just like, oh, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, I don't know who that is. And he just looked at me. He looked at me like I'm crazy. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was just great just being able to sit, sit over there. And I got to, I got to meet her, one of her friends who was from Detroit, actually. You know, it was, it was great vibes. But that whole night, he would just keep asking me out of nowhere. He's like, do you know who that person is? And I'm like, bro, that's Amari Stoudemire. I know who that is. Like, now you're just picking on me at this point. Some good fun had between the new teammates, the young guy, Sauce Gardner, reigning rookie defensive player of the year, and Aaron Rodgers, the new Jets quarterback. I think it's cool. I like seeing – I mean, I wouldn't have expected that pairing courtside at game two of this Eastern Conference semifinals. I like that Rodgers out and about. I wonder how long this is going to last where he's in the public eye. Maybe it's sticking it to the Green Bay Packers, showing them, hey, I'm having a much better time over yeah. here than I was the last couple of years in Green Bay. But I think it's kind of cool that, you know, maybe maybe for, what would it be, game five, this series gets back to Madison Square Gardner, Garden for game five, it will be Garrett Wilson who gets the invite instead of uh, Sauce Gardner that time. But it's great for Aaron Rodgers because he's, he's making himself look great to a new fan base because part of the concern of him getting all of these guys, Randall Cobb reportedly going to be signing and becoming a member of the New York Jets. Who knows if Mercedes Lewis is next? Alan Lazard already there signing a big-time money free agent contract earlier this offseason to go from Green Bay out to New York and join the Jets. And you want to make him comfortable, certainly with all these players that he's used to playing with, but developing that chemistry with younger players and being able to reach out, that's thats something that older players have been on the record struggling with. So it, it is a good thing, and it's a good look for Aaron Rodgers to be going to a Knicks game with Sauce Gardner. He looks like the cool older brother that took sure. his younger brother out for a night on the town. Sauce Gardner, I'm sure, has been to a lot of really cool events, but he's with his big bro, and he, you know Aaron Rodgers is rocking the Henley. Sauce Gardner has a lot more drip on. They look like a weird pairing just because Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. There was a time, he's Amari Stoudemire was on one side of Aaron Rodgers, and or actually, I think it was Carmelo Anthony was on one side with his gold frames of Aaron Rodgers sitting on, on, on court side, and then Sauce Gardner was on the other, and Sauce is relatively slight. He's a cornerback, but mm-hmm. those courtside seats, for as much as you pay for them, those are tight quarters down there, and Aaron Rodgers having to shrink his shoulders in a little bit to uh, to make sure everybody had room. I, I just thought that was kind of funny. I caught that. I don't know if I'm the only one there, but I, uh, I just, I find it endearing, and I know this probably rubs so many Packers fans the wrong way, Gabe, because... Whoa you got to think, hey, where were you at this time last year, Aaron Rodgers? There was a whole bunch of teammates you didn't really know all that well in Green Bay, especially the rookies who had just been drafted. Why weren't you hanging out with them at Bucks games uh, well, and, during and the, the postseason? And the crazy part is Aaron Rodgers bought into the Bucks. He's a minority owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. He, yeah, that yes, part he probably, me up. You know, so that's the... On top of the whole thing, now you're ticking off the, the Wisconsin fan base that wishes that you were taking, you know, first round picks of the Green Bay Packers or younger players from the Packers, like, um, you know, a, a Romeo Dobbs, one of their wide receiver rookies from last year, or Christian Watson, and go, oh, how come you aren't taking those guys to Bucks games? Instead, the Bucks game he attended earlier this year, which was against the Lakers, uh, it was him and Randall Cobb. You know, he's bringing the the old, you know, reliable guys to the Bucks games that he went to. Didn't really seem to 
make an effort the way he is in New York to reach out to those younger players. And Packers fans are watching all of this, like scrolling through your ex's Instagram, watching her have fun on this awesome vacation that she's on. Two reasons, two theories I have for why it didn't take place could have been the uh, hand signals that apparently he doesn't want to give out the uh, cheat codes to the rookie receivers uh, early on in their careers, or maybe he just felt they couldn't chug beer like his other buddies, like David Bakhtiari. Like David Bakhtiari. All the, all well, the Rogers can't since. chug beer. He proved that as well at a Bucks game once. Yeah, he, he continues to He's prove terrible. a lot of things to us. I liked my Freudian slip, Madison Square Gardener. I think that's what I'm going to start calling it from now on. Straight ahead, Stephen A. Smith has Steph Curry on the verge of knocking LeBron James off Mount Rushmore. You heard that correctly. We'll get into that next. Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.